tell you things are bad? Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I want you to get up right now. Get up, go to your windows, open them, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Things have got to change. How many stations has this You've got to get mad! I know it was to Louisville and Atlanta. Oh, they're not going to take this anymore. Then we'll figure out what to do about the depression and the inflation and the oil crisis. But first, get up out of your chair, open the window, stick your head out and yell, and say, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Who are you talking to? Are they yelling at Atlanta? Are they yelling at Atlanta, Jeff? But first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take Anymore. They're yelling in Baton Rouge. Get up, get up, get up out of your... Son of a bitch! We struck the mother low!
Look in the mirror, Stevie, my mother said, holding me up so I could see my face. See, there's Stevie. The little ears stuck out. That was the first thing I noticed, the two ears. And though the hair was pasted down with suave, and brushed neatly into a regular boy's hairdo. A few springy locks had popped loose. Curly hair. Ah! The nose was a pale blob of cold putty. Had the police already gotten to me? No, I was born like that. At two, my face already looked like the face of a convict. But the eyes and chin were pretty. Pretty. When I was four, I got polio. I was paralyzed from the neck down. I could barely turn my head. My flesh withered. I didn't see my face again until I was five and a half. The cheeks had collapsed. A young death's head, taut, bony, unlined forehead. The chin had turned hard like a frozen lily. The eyes glowed the color of green figs. I opened my mouth, a blood-soaked bird's nest in which the mother bird had been killed and her fetal offspring left to die in their unhatched eggs. A mouthful of meat and feathers white coffin, a fat pink worm gnarled from the red gash in my face. I watched my tongue moving in the mirror and Red was my favorite color. I took a tube of my mother's red lipstick and made big red X's on all my dad's business stations. My father hit me in the face hard. I always wanted a red face and black hair. Straight black hair, dark crimson face. Instead, I had curly mouth hair and a bleak pink face. I thought of cutting my face up with a razor and pouring shoe polish on my head, slicing off my I went to the bathroom and looked in the mirror. Blood, pathetic little dribble. I cried. When I was six, I got glasses. The glasses temples pushed my ears out even further and made them swell and blush a painful pain. Other kids made fun of me. I was the scrawniest kid in the whole school. I walked with 
my toes pointed in because of the polio and I had to wear big bulbous orthopedic shoes. My face mirrored my self-consciousness and embarrassment, probably even in my sleep. All through my school years, I was one of the ugly kids. My mother bought me a pair of stylish black horn-rimmed glasses. They only enhanced my power. Other kids' faces turned brown in the Mine looked like a cheap mask of blistered pink rubber from a joke shop. In the fifth grade, I proposed to a girl named Denise Johnson out on the lunch court. White blobs of seagull and pigeon shit rained from the sky. Denise said she wanted me to propose proper cafeteria after school. I combed my regular boys and wiped my modern glasses. At 10 after 3, I met Denise between the two buildings. I was shivering and my mouth was dry and tasted horrible. I got down on my knees on the shit splotched black top in front of Miss Johnson. My mouth was just level with her groin. I looked up at her pretty brown face and long straight black hair. She looked down at my damp cheeks and smiled benign. Denise, you are the prettiest, smartest girl in the whole school. Will you marry me? sides chattered against each other as I spoke the words. My face was livid and silly. I could feel my eyeballs bulging in their bone sockets. My knees ached. <laughs> You're too ugly. You look like you've been whooped with an ugly stick. <laughs> Her face had changed. Lavender donuts of shame appeared in front of my eyes. Suddenly, a mob of snickering boys and girls jumped out from around the back corner of the cafeteria. They surrounded us, laughing and jeering. I stood up, wobbling, a lump in my throat, my asshole pinched tight. Denise joined the circle of snapping, cruel children. She stood next to Rudy Stoltz, the handsomest, most popular boy in the school. They held hands. Fuck you, Jew-ass burn-butt, said Rudy. I put my huge, clumsy hands over my face. A cantaloupe skin hit me in the ear. I could hear the kids wandering away, giggling and guffawing. When I took my hands away from my face, I was alone. There was a thin white and green drool of seagull shit on my 
tan jacket. I walked home through a network of alleys. Finally, because of my face, I quit school in the eighth grade. I spent my days hiding out in the dark human garage, doing chemistry experiments and writing in secret codes. Sometimes I'd sneak out the side door, walk to the nearest storm drain opening, squeeze in, and crawl around in the complicated black maze of tunneling underneath Los Angeles. There were rats and black widow spiders down there. I imagined myself dead from spider bites, my face being chewed off by rats. I derived a mysterious feeling of solace from this prospect. No one would ever find me down there, and even if they did, I wouldn't have a face anymore. My mother took me to some psychiatrists. They agreed that I was a very disturbed young man. I had taken to wearing a red hooded sweatshirt with the drawstring on the hood so there was just a little hole with a squinched up anal sphincter muscle for me to peer out of. I wore a black beetle's wig over the red hood. I ate my meals alone in the garage. My mother would sometimes stand in the doorway crying. Finally, I threatened to cut her throat with a butcher knife and smear her blood all over my face if she didn't stay the fuck away from me. I poured a pint of black lacquer on my head and had to have my scalp shaved. I hadn't bathed or changed clothes in months. The doctors felt that I needed to be hospitalized. My mother signed some papers. There was a brief court hearing during which I was declared insane my custody handed over to the state of California. Nearly bald, laughing hysterically and muttering, I was handcuffed and delivered by the sheriff's department to a gruesome state hospital in California's Citrus Bell. There, I discovered that there were people with far uglier faces than mine. Some of these people were so ghastly I couldn't look at them without wretching. After a few months, though, I got used to it. Still, I couldn't make peace with my own dreadful visage. The doctors put me on medication. They talked to me. Nothing did any good. Six months was the longest they could hold me in leave. I was released and immediately hit the streets. I took up with faggot Dadaists who didn't I tried makeup. I tried turning into a woman. I straightened my hair and dyed it black. I wore a monk's collar so that all I could see was the sidewalk and no one could see me at all. I never returned home. Never went back to school. Never saw Denise Johnson and Rudy Stoltz again. Over the years, because of my face, my unfortunate attitude towards it. I have had to be institutionalized several times. 
I became a drug addict, alcoholic, and criminal. When I comb my hair, I wear a blank paper mask with eye holes. I shave with an electric razor and no mirror like a blind man. You have seen more of me already than I will ever see of myself. I hope you aren't as alarmed or offended by my face as I am. Look in the mirror, Stevie! See? There's Stevie! I stand there sometimes in secret looking. There will always be something wrong with my face.
sexless pretense dragged out too long? Did their cute little habits soon become banes? Did they try not to fight in front of the wains? Did they swing for her once but stay open-handed? How long did love last when Greece lightning landed?
Destructions of Berlin-based artists tonight. Come on, you red event. <laughs>